right, guys. Uh, I'm Luke Bennett, and this is Kyle Soto, and we are sitting down with um, Coach Bowen to uh, talk about this past Atlanta United season. How are you, Coach? Doing well. How about you guys? We're good. Very good. All right. Uh, well, we're going to start off talking just a little recap about the season. So um, what did you guys think about the season? Um, well, I think first and foremost, like, it just kind of took everyone by surprise, like every aspect of it, the players we got, the support from the fans, just everything really. I mean, I believe we're the first team to um, <clears throat> qualify for the playoffs since 2009. I don't remember what Shima was, but we're the first expansion team to qualify for the playoffs, so I think that counts for something. So. No, I think everybody was waiting for it to end. Like, you know, the first game sold out, and then the second game sold out, and then the third game sold out. And you just kind of kept waiting for it to no longer be the case. Uh, and as far as the players go, I mean, there's a lot of young guys that nobody had ever heard of. So, you know, you just you didn't know what to think at first. And then you see them play that first game, and then you start wondering, well, can they do it every week? And by the end of the season, it was like, yeah, they're, they're legit. That's it. They're good to go. Yeah. I mean, Joseph Martinez, he – I think he impressed, even though he was out for a good majority of the season. He was still a contender for the Golden Boot, so just a lot of attacking play on our part. And a lot with um, you know having Julian Gressel come out straight from the MLS draft, and he just won, I think, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah, he did. for the MLS. So that's something, as well as you know, bringing in older players like Michael Parkhurst, who thought that they were almost done with their career in the MLS, mm-hmm. and so I mean he still got to play almost. He got in the playoffs, so that was really exciting for both the younger players and the older players. Yeah, because it was him, and then uh, who was the redhead in the middle? Lorenowitz. Lorenowitz. That everybody was like, "Oh, he's over. He's yeah. done. You know, mm-hmm. nothing else he can do." Uh, Parkhurst definitely at the end of his career. Um, everybody always forgets about Khan, you know, filling mm-hmm. in for Guzan mm-hmm. until practically the whole season's up. He did. He did great. Yeah. So uh, it was really good. Yeah. When I first heard Guzan was coming, I was really questioning that because you know you watch him in the Premier League he got relegated two years in a row of his team so I mean yeah. he, he did pretty well I think he made some really good saves yeah, he so. did well he was nominated for save of the year I know he got save of the week one time mm-hmm. um, and he's always had that capability but there's other times where you watch him and you're just like dude what are you thinking yeah, yeah. Um, but I, he came in too and did did really well I think you got to give a little credit to Tata Martino mm-hmm. and I thought that was the biggest surprise of the whole group that we got a guy who had coached at Barcelona, who had coached Ar- uh, Argentina, who had been around world-class players his whole career, and he said, yeah, Atlanta sounds fun. I think I'll go there. Yeah. I thought that was surprising and impressive for our front office. And I really liked how um, he like brought a different style of play to the MLS, which is like a lot of the high-pressure high type of thing, lots of goals, mm-hmm. and that was, was really entertaining to watch. Well, it was fun to listen to the commentators too, because they're always like, "What, you know, Atlanta surely doesn't think they're just going to outscore everybody. I mean, yeah. what's the deal?" And mm-hmm. you know, you kind of hear the same things with uh, Tottenham overseas and Liverpool, where yeah, everybody's kind of giving the, the coaches Klopp and uh, Pochettino a hard time, saying, "You know, ah, they can't survive. They can't do it the whole time." And here's Tata coming in the same thing in MLS and running the same kind of idea, just high press, go to goal as quick as you can, and. And, you know, it worked, and we did it all year. And what we had the, the one stretch, eight games in, like, yep. 20 days or something. Yeah. And I think it was eight games in 24 days. Yeah. So it was, like, three game, or one game every three days. It's crazy. Yeah. And, though, this season, like, what, what uh, players were you guys impressed with most? Almiron. Almiron. Definitely, I think, the best player. 
He just just like the way he impacted the game when he came on, and after he got injured, we I mean I think we did pretty all right without him. We had um I think it was Gressel playing in that number ten position. We still did pretty well, so I think Almiron's definitely probably our best player. Yeah, you said he was such a playmaker in the middle. Yeah, yeah, he was. It was a toss up for me between those two and Martinez. And I think just because Almiron stayed healthy the, for the vast majority of the season yeah. would give him the, the edge there. Um, I thought Gonzalez in the back was solid. Um, yeah. Perez Gonzalez just picking the ball out of the air. Because the first game I went and watched him, I, I commented to my brother, I was like, this guy never judges a ball right, yeah. ever. It's like, the, I don't remember what game it was, but every time the ball came to him in the air, it was just slightly over or under. Um, but he, he was a standout as well, and I loved watching him. It was like a Beckenbauer flashback. He'd pick the ball up in the back, and suddenly he's one two and getting a shot outside the 18. Yeah, I mean, here it says Almiron scored nine goals, 14 assists. Martinez got 19 goals. It's crazy. I mean, we scored 70 goals this season. We conceded 40. I mean, and most of our wins were at home. For example, like we... Our home record was 11, 3, and 3. Our away record was 4, 6, and 7. So obviously, like, we did much better at home. I think part of that's because of the support. Honestly, like, we, I mean, we sold out, like, every game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, and because it was even impressive during the, the playoffs. It was a Wednesday night. Wednesday Here we night, had yeah. 70,000 people yeah. in the, at the game, and then you watch some other one in Dallas or Seattle, or not in Seattle, Dallas or somewhere, and it was, like, 14,000 people. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was unreal here. Even in the Bobby Dodd Stadium, it was still amazing. You know, the first game. Yeah, the first game. Mm-hmm. That's like what surprised me because I went to the first game, and I was just like, "Well, this is a, like a brand new team. I doubt that there's going to be like a huge support behind it." And then just and took off from there. We were going against a pretty dominant team with yeah. New York Red Bulls the first game. We almost won too. We almost did. Yeah. I thought with the first goal. Well, the most impressive thing I thought with that, because I didn't go to the first game, but it was the second or third home game when we played Columbus or Chicago. Mm-hmm. And you get, you, like, we took Marta up, and you get off Marta. And first off, everybody on the train had Atlanta United gear mm-hmm. on. Everybody. I mean, by the time you actually got to the stop, there was nobody else on the train. And then it was just a march to the stadium. Like, the cops had 10th Avenue shut down going across mm-hmm. the bridge. And, I mean, their shoulders, everybody. Uh, a friend of mine made a comment. I think Mr. Abrams actually said, he goes, I feel bad going to the games because I couldn't get a home jersey. And, you know, everybody wears a home jersey yeah, at home. Yeah. I mean, so it was just, uh, to me, that's what was amazing. I mean, it was it was as good or better uh, uh, as any college football home game experience. Just being there, the sounds and, and the, the, the things that they picked up where right, nobody sits down, everybody cheers, and just staying with it the whole time. I mean, uh, it was just amazing. I don't think anyone really uh, thought it was going to be that big of a hit in Atlanta. You know, a lot of people are, have said because we, uh, I know, like I've kind of like always thought like, why doesn't Atlanta have an MLS team? And some people thought there, you know, there wasn't, there wouldn't be the support that there would be in other places like LA or Seattle. But yeah. I think bringing it here and the first season with this much support, it's been crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think the front office, they did pretty much everything right they brought like I think they brought in a good balance of young and old players mm-hmm. like the, our attacking like our attacking four is super young and then we have that good balance of like Parkhurst who's I believe he's like 34 around mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and then the other center back uh, LGP Gonzalez Perez he's like 20, 24 25 so like you have that good balance of experience and talent so I think I think they did that pretty well 
Yeah, I think they had a lot of, like, in the... I remember MLS released, like, the top players under 22 or something like that. Yeah. And, like, five of Atlanta United's players were in that, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, I don't know if it was Carlos Bocanegra or whoever scouted, yeah. but they, they if they can do job. that every year, yeah. we, we will have a good time. I think another big thing we should acknowledge is that um, Amiran going to Europe because, I mean, I've read some articles that he's being looked at, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, MLS isn't to the point of leagues in Europe, like the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, and I've, I mean, I think it's unfair for us to say, yeah, we need to, like, keep him forever because, obviously, like, while MLS has grown, I think it's just, it's still a stepping stone for a player's career, so I think Atlanta needs to make sure that we do that correctly for, like, future generations of players coming in. So, I mean, I think the front office can handle that. They've done a pretty good job so far. So I think it would help because yeah. I, I saw an article that said, you know, $20 million for him or something, yeah. which I, I'm pretty sure that would be close. Mm-hmm. If not break the MLS record, transfer record, mm-hmm. it, would, it would be really close to it. And if you get that reputation, like everybody's always worried about being called a selling league or a selling club or whatever, but – you look at the world soccer, how many how many leagues and clubs are not selling? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about the top ten in the world and the richest clubs in the world and, and the richest leagues, and that's it. I mean, even in, even in uh, the English Premier League, if you look at a not-selling club, maybe Man City, Man United maybe, Chelsea maybe, um, Liverpool maybe, Arsenal maybe, and, and both of those are talked about all the time about selling clubs. Um, you know, if you're not a selling club, then you're a Barcelona, a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, or whatever. And you know, we don't have that by any stretch. Yeah. Uh, but we also don't have the money that they're putting into it either. And, and the best players are always going to go where they get paid the best. So I thought I think if we get, you know, if we got good money for Almiron or any of the younger guys, and they moved on to the next level, mm-hmm. that does two things for us. One, you got that nice influx of cash coming in to spend on the next group. But it also tells that next group and the people currently at the club. Hey, if if Real Madrid comes looking for you and they they're going to pay, we're we're going to help get you ready and get you there. And so those opportunities, you know, don't exist all over. And then even on the, we have a lot of players coming in on the global scale. You know, Almiron from Paraguay and mm-hmm. all that. And uh, but we also have some homegrown players with Andrew Carlton, uh, Chris, Chris Goslin, yeah, from America. And so that's kind of cool to see that we're not just, you know. A team that's just going to go buy players from everywhere else. Nowhere. Yeah, like um, I'd say the MLS of old, for example, like when they got when Orlando got Kaka, um, LA Galaxy, Gerard, um, New York City FC, they got Pirlo, David Villa. I mean, sure, they're good. They're good, experienced players, obviously, but we don't want to be known as a retirement league where right. they just come for an extra paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I think Atlanta is doing really well with the academy because they I think the U17 team I, th- I think it was they won their t- like a, they won a tournament in their first year so yeah I think it's just I think they're going to do a good job of like funneling play- funneling players to the first team and then there's talks about um, a USL team for the second division mm-hmm. so I think that'll help too the Sil- Silverbacks still in play are they still doing I think they are still? yeah they're just okay off to the side now, I guess. Right. I mean, they had to be. I mean, yeah. especially – I think there was a little bit of concern maybe that they might take some of – like it would be a split mm-hmm. venue. But And I don't know that anybody even left their group. But the support that we got was 
amazing. And then I think it would be nothing but beneficial, whether it's a, our reserve team as far as Atlanta United or Atlanta Silverbacks or whoever having a USL opportunity uh, in the league. You got MOBA down the road with another mm -hmm. with PDL. And so now that's the thing where I'm jealous of you guys. Where like when I was growing up, you didn't you didn't have. I mean, mm -hmm. a you couldn't just go down the road and watch a team play, and then b there was literally unless you were leaving the country, there was nowhere to play professionally, uh, not on a full time. I can make a living on that salary basis. Uh, so that's that's exciting, and to you know to see somebody like Andrew Car uh, Carlton and, and Goslin come through, and you know already you've got the the ability and the talent in the area, which I think we all kind of knew. Yeah. But it's nice to be confirmed watching those guys play in the U-17 World Cup and mm -hmm. push for a couple minutes. I think they even got minutes in, like, the the Open Cup game yeah. um, just to be right on the edge of the first team. And, I mean, I think that's a big deal as a youth player. To, if you're a youth player at Atlanta United and Tata needs some people to fill in a scrimmage, suddenly you're playing next to Martinez and Guzan and, I mean, all these mm -hmm. full internationals. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be able to bring the U.S. a World Cup one day. Or at least get back in it. That would yeah. be good. Yeah. <laughs> that first step. Yeah, that, that, that still stings a little, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I read that I didn't watch any of the games, but I saw that Chris Goslin was considered like one of the very important players of the U17 national team just because of his physicality and mm -hmm. his good control and stuff. So, I mean, then Yamil Assad, I've read that um, his transfer status is somewhere he's just thrown up there because no one really knows if he's going to stay because he was on a loan move. So, oh, okay. Yeah, people are saying that Andrew Carlton could possibly replace him, even though he's extremely young. So we'll see. I think the talent's there. Just need to refine it. Yeah, throw get, him in there, see what happens. Get the minutes, exactly. yeah. yeah. How was your, um, all of you guys, uh, expect or not expectations, how did you guys feel about the very end of the season? Because I know personally I was a little bummed with – that final game, you know, hitting the crossbar multiple times and then finally going into PKs and losing that one. I, I compared it to the U.S. men's national team because when, when we lost to Trinidad, I, I was more than a little not happy. And just watching the game, you know, the players' body language was awful. They didn't seem to be putting heart and soul into it. You know, I always talk about bleed for the sleeve and that kind of thing, and you just didn't see any of that. And so even though – it was somewhat comparable, I think, more because of timing than anything. They were right around the same time. But then when we lost to Columbus, you, you couldn't say that about our team. Our team was killing themselves out there. Uh, I talked to Mr. Campbell at lunch about Atlanta United all the time, and he was just like, I don't know what the difference is, but you can tell that it matters to the Atlanta United guys. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and I don't see that when I watch the men's national team, not like it did there. So it, it was a disappointment because I, I think we could be sitting where Columbus is now, getting ready to play Toronto to make the final. I don't, I don't think that was far off at all. Um, but you, I, I, it wasn't like somebody made some huge error or nobody tried. or I mean, it was just obviously not our night for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. I was there. I had season tickets, and you got to go to that game too. And the atmosphere was very timid, I think. Like everyone was a little nervous to uh, – I mean, the people I talked to, at least, they, were, they weren't like chanting as much. They weren't as – didn't seem as into it. They were just scared to lose, I guess, and go out of it. And yeah, I mean, I've, like, I could feel the pressure in my heart. I was really worried about losing. <laughs> so yeah, I was pretty distraught. I mean, it was a really exciting 0-0, I think. Just a lot of posts and crossbars. And I think both teams were very, they played very well. It was just one team had to lose. And it was us. So. Can I give it to the 
Columbus goalkeeper, though. He yeah, some, he was oh, very good. Stefan was, was unreal. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yes, it is. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, again, it goes back to it wasn't that we weren't. It was you know when we got that one PK save where he's reaching behind him and pushing it around. A couple others where he's you know literally parallel to the ground and pushing it wide at six feet. I mean, you just sometimes you just run into that. So like I said, it's just unfortunate. It was first round of the playoffs. It kind of shows, you know, how important it is to win the previous games. Because mm-hmm. if we would have won against Toronto when we had that draw, the game, I think it was the last game of the season, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. and games like that, we wouldn't be sitting in second place in the table. Or, you know, not losing to D.C. United every yep. time we played them. Every I know. Time, <laughs> like bottom what was the that about? I mean, feel free. Yeah. Worst yeah. team in the league. and Oh, they can score against us. No problem. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. It's a weird sport sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think the thing with the DC United though is they, well, one they just played a lot, very defensive, which is kind of frustrating for us with our high-powered offense, and then yeah. they just get a quick counterattack. Which, if you play really high pressure, yeah, it's easy to counterattack. It's easy. It's, it's easy just to hit a one long ball into a fast guy and have him go down and score. Yeah, and so that's what I was a little afraid of with like that high attack is that people were going to, like I thought it would work at the beginning of the season. But about midway through the season, I was a little scared people were going to start figuring it out yeah. and playing that, which D.C. United kind of did. Well, they seemed to a little bit because weren't we like – we hadn't lost in a while, but we hadn't won in a while either. We had like mm-hmm. four or five straight ties to end the season, it seemed like. Yeah, we we were winless in four games Yeah, before going against Toronto or Columbus. I'm not sure which one. But there, there was a stretch where we didn't win a single game for a while. We didn't lose, I think. I don't. I don't remember the losses, but it was always like two-two. And yeah. the one game that just aggravated me—what what game was that? Was we were up two to one. We were, and then we were down the player, and it's like we're going to ride it out. And then we gave up two goals in the last, mm-hmm. you know, minute yeah. and a half and lost. And it was oh, that was against uh, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed the snow Minnesota <laughs> game a lot more. Six-one yeah. is much more fun. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, I think that's all we got today. So. Yep. Uh, Thanks for sitting down with us. Oh, thank you for having me. That was great. Uh, This has been Real Talk. Keep it real.